What you see on the screen right here is from NIV 2011. Uh, that was an update that was done. Actually, the ELS and Wells poured over this update. The update actually made things gender nonspecific. And so when we read this, you'll see how the word of uh, God was really watered down. And then I'll read it from NIV 1984, which makes it more personal. And then I'd like to put a plug in for all the work that's happened over the last few years to produce a Lutheran Bible. And that's called the Evangelical Heritage Version that was worked on solely by Wells and L's pastors and professors and is a, a very good translation. So what, we, what you have in your bulletins and what you see up there reads this way. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple, and this is Jesus speaking, must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. Now this is the way it reads in NIV 1984, and no, we don't have it up there. Then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he, and that means he or she in Greek, he must deny himself and take up his cross, his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. We pray. Lord, sanctify us. Sanctify us and make us holy by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, fellow redeemed, my wife and I just returned from the ELS convention that's held annually in Mankato, Minnesota. And a number of my fellow pastors wear a collar like this. There are a few who will wear a cross with their collar. But when it comes to worship services, then they get out their, their white robes. Most of them wear white robes or albs or things like that. And the crosses they bring out are, well, lots of them are silver. They are very expensive and everything. And not many wear wood. This is an $8 rosewood cross. And I choose to wear this because Jesus was hung from a tree. He was hung from a tree. And so I think it fitting, at least for me, that I wear a cross when I preach and it's made out of wood. And of course, uh, one of the kids up here said, I, my dad has a cross that he wears. I know my wife has a cross that she wears on a chain. And we all wear crosses. But let's think about that. Think about wearing a cross. The cross was a cruel, inhumane vehicle of torture. We don't see too many people walking around wearing guillotines hanging around their necks or, or ropes or electric chairs or anything like that. But a lot of us wear 
this execution device. And the cross was well known by everybody, uh, particularly in the Roman world, because this is the way the Romans executed people. And not only did they execute them, but they put them out prominently so that you would see them right outside Jerusalem city gates where Jesus was crucified. Everybody would walk past any of those criminals who were hung from trees out there until they, they died. And so the disciples, every time they came to Jerusalem, they would see these people hanging from crosses. And here in our text, Jesus is speaking to them, and he says, take up your cross, not once, not sometime, but daily, daily. Can you imagine that gut-wrenching feel that the, the disciples must have had to hear Jesus speak this to them? How does that make you feel to take up this execution device daily? It sends a chill up my spine when I see it, to take up my cross daily. But, my friends, let us this morning consider these words and how they apply to our lives in this world and in this world as we live in Christ. And let us see the joy that's found in his cross and also in our personal crosses that we bear. First of all, let's consider his cross and the need for Jesus' cross as a starting point. I had always been taught for some reason, before I started on my path into being a second career uh, seminary student, that bearing one's cross for Christ meant to suffer as being a believer in him, and that was it. And, and certainly, while ridicule and suffering for being a Christian is most certainly true, it took two men to really open my eyes to see my own personal cross, and your crosses as well. And the first of those people was Martin Luther. They make us, of course, in the seminary study Luther extensively, and it's wonderful the gifts that he had so that he can explain things out of Scripture for us. And I'll talk about the second guy who told me the truth. Here's what Luther says in the large catechism. He says this, very simply, for where God's word is preached, accepted, or believed, and bears fruit, there the holy and precious cross will also not be far behind. And let no one think that we will have peace. Rather, we must sacrifice all we have on earth. Possessions, honor, house and farm, spouse and children, body and life. Now this grieves our flesh and the old creature, for it means that we must remain steadfast, suffer patiently whatever befalls us, and let go whatever is taken from us. Did you get the gist of what he was talking about there? About our cross? Sacrifice. All that we have on earth. It grieves the old creature inside. And that we must suffer patiently. Patiently, everything that befalls us. 
Let's talk about the old creature. We know that old creature is right in us, right? That sinful nature that we come into this world with, that sinful nature lives to sin. It lives to, to gratify itself with the sinful allures of the world, clinging on to possessions and clinging on to people and clinging on to body and life. And it boils down to, well, the sinful nature lives to obey that great deceiver, Satan. And if we follow him, we'll go right into the abyss, the fires of hell. You see, my friends, there is no life in the old creature. All that's there is spiritual death. True life. True life to be spiritually alive comes only through the gospel message of Jesus Christ and him crucified for our sins. He stepped into your place. He stepped into my place to suffer the hell that you and I deserve for all of our sins. He was nailed to the cross so that you and I would not be nailed to that cross for all eternity. And therein, my friends, lies our great joy. Jesus died on the cross so that you and I would not suffer eternally. However, Luther says, you will suffer in this world, whatever befalls us. And that, my friends, is where our individual crosses are. And rest assured, those crosses are not punishment for our sin. That punishment was taken out on Jesus. Jesus says this when he healed the, the blind man who had been blind from birth. He said, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. Also, my friends, know that our mighty God has made a plan for you, a personal plan just for you. And he'll see it all the way to the end so that you will be with him in heaven forever. And the prophet Jeremiah wrote about that, about that joyous truth. He says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And in his plan for us, we will bear our crosses. We will wage a daily war against that sinful nature that we carry around, but we will cling to Christ's cross. And thus, we will sacrifice everything in this world, letting go of all of it just to hold on to Christ and to hold on to the great comfort and joy that he brings. We will be steadfast in faith and we will have his peace his peace wrapped around us. That's the peace that we receive through his word and through his sacraments. And we know that our eternal salvation has been secured through his cross. And so, my friends, we will not lose our lives to the world, but we will go about daily crucifying the sinful nature inside of us through the means of grace and word and sacrament. And so when we do that, we lose our lives to Christ. This one verse 
that Jesus says in here is the most quoted verse in the New Testament. It's quoted twice in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's quoted once in the Gospel of St. John. You add that up, that's seven. And of course, if you study church theology, you'll see that sometimes numbers do have meaning. And so seven is the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then the four corners of the world. And so there you have completeness when you read through especially Hebrew poetry and the like. And this is that verse. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. Is that a coincidence? I don't think so. I think God purposefully wrote those verses, that verse, into Scripture the way he did seven times. He did that so that we would know the essential importance of placing our God first above all things. And here is the critical advice that Jesus tells us. He says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. Think about that. Deny himself. The second great person that I mentioned who showed me the right doctrine was Professor Daniel Deutschlander. I started at Martin Luther College, of course, with a lot of 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds. I got to sit in his dummy doctrine class. It was a requirement. In fact, in my Hebrew class was one of my Sunday school students uh, from Salem. And it was quite humbling, but it was great to see, to be in this great doctrinaire's class. Professor Deutschlander certainly talked often about personal crosses. And his, his classes were always filled with people who audited those classes. He is a leading doctrinaire of the Wells. He is widely published. And I'd like to read a quote about self-denial that he wrote in his publication, The Theology of the Cross. Here's what he says. Self-denial will always be difficult, will always be a struggle. Hence, to undertake such is to take up a heavy, flesh-ripping, back-breaking cross. For what is it that everyone wants by nature? Each wants to save his life and not lose it. And a fallen man, the essence of saving life, is not merely the continuation of bodily functions. It is rather that one's own will be done. To do the will of another, to have one's own will denied, is to lose life. He captures that so succinctly as he does all the teachings all the time. The bottom line, our God wants his will to prevail in our lives, not our own wills. 
He wants us to submit to Christ our wills following Jesus always. Our great God has inscribed in our hearts his precious law, but it's there not to condemn us anymore. It's there to be our guide. And it really boils down, my friends, to obeying the very first commandment. The very first commandment, Luther added to it and said what it means. He's, here's the commandment. You shall have no other gods. What does this mean? We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Above all things. And herein, my good friends, is the foundation of joy that we find in bearing our crosses, our self-denial all for Christ. And you and I can ever strive to keep all the commandments to the glory and to the honor of him who kept them in our place perfectly. To him who shed his blood, to him who died for us so that you and I would have real life. And we will repent for the times we fail in keeping God's commandments and fail we will. We will do it often. But we will repent. We will confess. We will amend our ways and sin no more and live Christ-filled lives of joy. Living in Him and living for Him. There is no greater joy. One final thing, brothers and sisters, to note on cross-bearing, and that's not pleasant to focus on our cross-bearing. We don't often like to focus on our suffering in this world. We don't like to focus on suffering for Christ and be persecuted. But it's a fact. We can't deny it. And the thing about it is, one last note, is that your crosses that you bear are inextricably tied to Christ's cross. You cannot separate yourself from the cross of Christ. Only in Christ and Him crucified are we enabled to carry all of our heavy crosses throughout our life on that path to our heavenly home. And remember, our, my friends, that He's right there. He's right there to hold your hand. Because he has yoked himself to you in faith. And keep his encouraging words near and dear to your heart every day. As you daily arise, and you remember you're a child of God, and you pick up your crosses. He says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. All thanks be to God. Amen.